the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. For making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black in Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome into Rob Black and Your Money. I'm your host today, Chad Burton, certified financial planner. As a CFP, trained in taxes, insurance, retirement planning, estate planning, investing, and I love your money questions. If you want to get your calls in the air, the second opinion on what you're doing, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. And uh, I'll be on air with Rob tomorrow morning. And then Saturday, as you might have heard from the promo, we're going to be at the Doubletree by the airport in Burlingame all day long. Nine to noon, it's wealth management. What to do with your portfolio once you've created a, a portfolio, how to rebalance it, how to draw from it the correct way so you can get through retirement. It's tough to go to retirement, go into retirement this at this time because people are living longer. At the same time, yields are 70% of what they were even about six years ago on bonds. CDs are paying nothing, less than 1% for a five-year CD. Are you kidding me? makes it tough to retire and deal with a portfolio that doesn't have a lot of volatility and something you have to brace for going forward. So this morning, we're going to talk about wealth management, like we're going to talk about wealth management on Saturday. And then Saturday from 1 to 4, it's all about building wealth, how to get started. It's basically money 101. You want to sign up? Sign up at robblack.com. It's robblack.com, or you can call, get this 888-ROB-CHAD, not as in Rob-CHAD as when you come to the event, but as in Rob Black, Chad Burton. That's how the number works out, 888-ROB-CHAD. So today I'm splitting the show into two pieces. The first hour I'm going to talk all about managing your assets as you approach or as you get close to retirement or if you're in retirement, all the things that you have to think about. The second hour I'm going to start kind of backwards from square one and talk about building wealth and certain steps that you need to take to get to the point of having wealth. Mindset, how to get started, where to start investing. Now, let's, let's talk about retirement. That's really what wealth management is, right? You want to eventually, no matter what age you are, have enough wealth to, be, to get to a point where you know you have enough to last the day you die. Now, if you're like me, I want to bounce the last check that I write the day I die. That means... While I'm alive, I've either used up my wealth, I've given it to my children so I can see what they do with it, I've given it to my favorite charity so I can see what they, you know, get some benefit while I'm living and just, just bounce the last check I write the day I die. I don't know. That's kind of how I focus. I want to build wealth and then get to the point where 
hey, I'm happy I can do what I need to do. And the question is, though, is that people, they have a lot of wealth. And if you live in a place like the Bay Area, where there's a huge tax burden, especially if you've recently bought a house and you're paying higher property taxes than your neighbor that bought a house 30, 40 years ago. And are you ready to retire? That's a big question that everybody wants to know. How, how do you figure that out? And online calculators are horrible because they don't account for taxes in most cases at all. So most online calculators are terrible. People also don't know what right, the right rates of return to plug into these calculators are. Now, there's a quick and dirty chart on my website. If you go to newfocusfinancial.com, or you can even tweet me at Chad New Focus. That's the name of my company, New Focus Financial. So tweet me at Chad New Focus. I can send you a link to the uh, chart or email it to you. Just email me your, um, or just tweet me your email address, I guess. And it's, uh, are you ready to retire? And on the chart, you can say, you can look at it and say, okay, I've got a certain amount of wealth. I think I'm close. I think I'm ready to be able to retire. Because everybody hears about, oh, if you draw 4 or 5% at 65, you'll be okay. But what about if you're 55? What about if you've hit it big on stock options through LinkedIn or Google or Apple or whatever it may be, and you've got a lot of wealth and you're thinking of hanging it up? And what this chart looks at is you can assume here's what your rate of return is. You're going to assume a certain draw rate, and you're going to know that you're going to have to increase your draws every year from your portfolio by at least 3% to keep up with inflation. That's what people think about. They forget to think about. They think that their draw rates once they retire are static. In other words, you get to 65, you're going to be drawing 100000 out of your portfolio every single year for the rest of your life. Oh, yeah, well, every 18 years, the value of the dollar is cut in half because of inflation. So that basically means you're going to have a decreasing lifestyle. So you want to make sure that you're assuming 3% or more with inflation. Now, a younger person thinks about that and says, 3% is pretty low in inflation. Oh, that's right, because last year, inflation was really around 3.7% if you look at food and energy. But when you retire, you have certain pieces of inflation that you can control. The, the things you can't control, pretty much health care costs. Everything else, you know, you get to be 85 years old, you're not traveling as much, you're not eating out as much, and, and things change. So it's not, a, it's not a straight line, but this chart, if you want to – download it at newfocusfinancial.com or again tweet me at Chad New Focus. You can look at it and say, okay, here's what I'm earning. On my portfolio, if I'm earning 6% and I'm drawing out 5% a year to live, I can see clearly that my money's going to last about 29 years. If I'm earning 5% on my portfolio and I'm drawing 4% to live, and this again adjusts for inflation, my money's going to last 34 years. So that's kind of the safe zone. You, never, you really don't want to assume that you're going to go into retirement and earn more than 6%. Now, will you? Of course. You would have earned that probably in the last six months based on the rally in the stock market. However, you can't assume that going forward because the market is an issue where, number one, bonds, like I've mentioned, and CDs are paying 70% of what they were five years ago. And number two, there's probably going to be slower growth around the developed world because of all this deleveraging that's going on. you got, yeah, central banks are pumping money into the market right now, but it's not really going anywhere. Institutions have rallied the stock market up. Individuals aren't really chomping at the bit yet. And if you look at the volatility of money, or the, I'm sorry, the velocity of the dollar, velocity of money, it's not you know, going for expansion yet. 
Um, a lot of the increase in the stock market has been companies being able to save a lot of money on the bottom line, retire debt, take on new debt at a lower rate, and use that debt to retire outstanding shares and do buybacks. I tell you what, you know, these buybacks are great. You can look out clearly and say, okay, here's what a buyback is going to do to my stock, but in the long run, <laughs> you want the revenue growth to be there, and you want margins to be able to be protected. That's what you have to look at in the long run. So anyways... Use rates of return of around 5 to 6% on your projections. Make sure you have inflation. And make sure you're not drawing more than about 4 or 5%. Really, it should be about 4% these days at age 65. And, you know, if you're younger than that, it's less because you have years and years of inflation and health care costs. And again, where most retirees would have put half their money in bonds and CDs when they retire, those are paying 70% less where they were in 2007 and, and before. And what the Fed's doing right now, you know, this could last for many years. It's just started in Japan in terms of government taking, essentially printing money, giving it to their central banks, Federal Reserve, whatever you want to call it, and using it to buy bonds, keep interest rates low, stimulate the economy, get people into riskier assets so businesses grow. We don't know how this is going to end. This is, this is an experiment, and it, this is an experiment that the market can get addicted to and last for many, many years. That means rates are probably going to be low for a long time. So the next step of calculating your retirement, once you say, okay, where am I? I'm going to look at this chart. I'm going to see if I'm even close to doing it. Then you've got to get pretty detailed in terms of your retirement plan. And it all starts with knowing what you're going to spend in retirement and what you want to spend. You can't possibly figure out your asset allocation. You can't possibly figure out how long your money is going to last unless you have a detailed list of your expenses, including taxes and health care costs, things like that. We're going to talk about that coming back after the break. How do you calculate where your costs are in retirement? You want to get your calls in there, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome back into Rob Black and Your Money. I'm your host today, Chad Burton, certified financial planner, CFP, training taxes, insurance, retirement planning, estate planning, and investing. So if you want to get your calls in there, ask a money question. Love to hear from you. 800 516 1220. That's 800 516 1220. I'll be with Rob all day, as you heard from the promos, if you do listen to him. Uh, all day on Saturday at the Doubletree in Burlingame by the airport. And we're going to be talking about wealth management in the morning and wealth accumulation, wealth building in the afternoon, how to get started, everything you need to know from, hey, what's the difference between a fund and a mutual fund? In the second hour, I'm going to talk about those issues. But this hour, I'm talking about wealth management. And are you ready to retire? Are you there? When do you know whether or not you're ready to retire? And a couple of things have to happen. Everybody worries about their asset allocation first, but you have to figure out what your expenses are. That goes into your asset allocation because it determines how much safe money you need and then whether or not you have enough to retire. And a lot of people just estimate what they need for retirement, and that's what they put into online calculators and literally make a decision 
on whether or not they're ready to retire based on what an online calculator says and they forget about taxes. Look, if you've got a million bucks saved up, congratulations. But if your person has a million dollars saved up in a retirement account, that's a very different situation from a person that has a million dollars saved up in a taxable account. Two very different tax situations, and online calculators just don't model it correctly. It takes some advanced software. A lot of issues go into that. So let's talk about expenses and what goes into your expenses. You need to start tracking your expenses. Even if you're wealthy, you need to know – you don't necessarily sit yourself on a budget, but you need to know what you tend to spend, and you need to look at a long-term view of that. So. You can. It's so easy to do with Mint.com or Quicken, whatever. It, you know, I guess Mint's owned by by uh, Intuit now, but it's easy to track your expenses. Most bank accounts now even show you a pie chart of what you spend. So you have to have a pretty detailed spreadsheet of of what you spend on everything from your utilities to your cell phone bill to entertainment to travel. And then you've got to look at your retirement and say, what do I want to do in retirement? A lot of times you're going to spend more money the first five years of retirement than you did before you retire. Then you'll eventually get to the point where if you're having a good retirement, you wonder how you had time to work with all of your activities that you're doing, the travel, uh, volunteering, and things like that. That's what retirement is. is that's when people are really healthy is when they're typically busy. And you've got to know what you want your retirement to look like. You say, here's my expenses now. I'm going to project that forward with inflation at about 3.5%. Here's what I want my retirement to be like. I want 20000 a year in travel. I'm going to project that forward with 3.5% inflation. But things like the travel, you know, you might not do that after you're 85. So it's a variable expense situation that you have to project. Don't forget about taxes. You actually have to look at the types of accounts that you have, project them forward at decent you know, rates of return, 55 6%. You don't want to expect more than that. You're going to get that in some years? Absolutely. But you don't want to use growth rates higher than that. Project those types of accounts forward, and then you have to look at the date of retirement and say, okay, where am I going to draw my money from first, and then estimate your taxes from there. You also have to think about your health care costs in retirement. Right now, you're probably getting, hopefully you're getting coverage from your employer. But what if you retire at 60? You've got five years until Medicare kicks in. So you're on your own with a COBRA plan. Who knows what the Affordable Care Act is going to cost next year? You know, I, I don't know. Health insurance is, is up in the air. But at retirement, I know that you get Medicare Part A for free. Medicare Part B costs 105 bucks a month. They typically pull it right out of your Social Security check. But the coverage is horrible, so people have to have a Medigap policy. And that's about, you know, on average over your lifetime – is going to be about 210 bucks a month. Then you're going to have some sort of a prescription drug, you know, a Part D, an average prescription drug cost over your lifetime. That will average, not when you are young and healthy at 65 and don't take much, but that will average about 240 bucks a month over your retirement. Then what about long-term care? What if you need help when you're 75, 80 years old? That doesn't, you don't get any help from Medicare after about 30 days. And so you need typically to look at long-term care insurance. That's going to cost about 300 bucks a month. And who knows if it's even going to be around anymore. So many companies have exited long-term care. And recently, companies have jacked up their rates in California. So some people that bought long-term care insurance three or four years ago can no longer even afford it anymore. So 
how are you how is your portfolio going to withstand if you or your spouse goes into a nursing home and spends 70, 80, 100,000 dollars a year? Are you going to end up with one person that dies after a four or five year stay and then the remaining spouse lives in poverty for the rest of their retirement? You have to figure out how you're going to protect yourself from that cost. Whether it's you buy long-term care insurance, you have enough assets to self-insure. Those are people that are drawing less than 3% out of their portfolio. Or maybe you're going to use a reverse mortgage and pull it out of your house. You've got to have a plan for that. So you're going to assume in your expenses that you're going to probably have about 855 bucks a month in insurance costs when you retire. If you want to retire correctly, you've got to figure out what your expenses are, everything. Look at it all. Figure out what your taxes are going to be, and then throw in your health care costs. That's the true way to look at how much retirement is going to be. And then you have to assume that those costs are going to increase 3 to 3.5% a year minimum in retirement with inflation. That's how you project forward. So if you really want to say, okay, I'm bulletproof. I'm 65 years old. I've just calculated all of my expenses. I calculated my taxes. I've got long-term care insurance, and I'm looking at my portfolio in a balanced portfolio between stocks, bonds, and cash. And it looks like I'm going to have enough money to last to the day I die, meaning I'm going to assume 3% or more in inflation. And I'm going to draw about 4% or less from my portfolio, and I've protected my long-term care situation. That's what bulletproofs your retirement. And then you've got to pay attention to your portfolio. I think you have to pay attention more to your portfolio now than ever before because we're having to look at the overall fixed income market and use alternatives. Now, when you use alternatives, that means more volatility. And... You know, the other day was yesterday actually, and and several times over the last couple of years, you're dealing with more volatility because number one, the world is becoming more global, which means you have to have more international exposure. International markets are much more volatile. It's because they're younger and they're much more volatile. But that's where the growth is. That's where the middle class is growing. In addition to that, we have this computer trading issue where you get a fake tweet regarding a White House issue and you see the market do a 1% sell-off immediately. And a lot of investors yesterday got stopped out of their trades and lost money as a result of computer trading. I think it should just be absolutely illegal. But we are dealing with more volatility because interest rates are extremely low. And what will happen is, is that's going to make equities look more attractive until rates start to rise. And there will be an inflection point where people will, again, rebalance from bout of stocks back into bonds. It's not anytime real soon, but it can happen. So pay attention and rebalance more often. I'll talk about after the break how investing has changed for people with larger portfolios. If you want to get your calls in there, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. AM 1220 KDOW. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Hey, Rob Black and Your Money. I'm your host today, Chad Burton, certified financial planner. Almost 20 years in the business, so if you've got a money question, I'd love to hear from you. 800 516 1220. That's 800 516 1220. 
I want to sign up for the event that we're, Rob and I are doing this Saturday. Again, robblack.com. And uh, 9 to noon, it's all about wealth management. That's what we're talking about this hour. And 1 to 4, it's all about how to get started. Everything from the you know, difference between funds, ETFs, and indexes to you know, how should you go along the process of starting to get to the point where you can retire sometime down the road, 20, 30 years. Talk about that next hour. If you want to sign up again, robblack.com, or you can even call 1-888-ROB-CHAD. That's 1-888-ROB-CHAD. Leave a message to sign up there if you're driving. And this segment I want to talk about how investing has changed, really especially in the last you know 20 years since I've been in the business, and especially with people with larger portfolios. I mean, it's interesting because you know, 10, 15 years ago, people really didn't know about REITs or real estate investment trusts. Then REIT mutual funds came around, and now everybody you know, knows about REITs, I think. Those are just publicly traded stocks that invest in real estate and pass along a nice dividend to you. And they've been chased up really, really drastically with, with people finding yields. Now, a lot of REITs or companies that are, are, are part of the indexes. So people just, you know, these companies that people don't know about all of a sudden become part of indexes and you invest in them anyways. But there's a lot of increased volatility, not as much on an annual basis, but definitely on daily, weekly, monthly terms. And part of it is because of some of the computer trading that's gone on. Now, on an annual basis, it's not that much different. But in the last three years, the daily, weekly, and monthly volatility has increased drastically. And you can't really, as an individual, try to trade around that because you're fighting big computers that are using algorithms. And so you're going to have to deal with more increased volatility also because of financial pornography. Shows like this even that puts the market in your face on a constant basis. People 10, 15 years ago that invest didn't care what the market was doing on a day-to-day basis. They cared what the companies were doing over the long term and how much they were getting paid in terms of a dividend. So a lot of increased volatility. It's going to, have you, it's going to cause you to deal with bond alternatives, pay attention to your portfolio, rebalance more often, focus on dividend growth. Talk about that in a minute. But let's talk to Sam. Sam's on the line with us. Sam, how are you? I'm good, Chad. How are you doing? Good. Yeah, I wanted to find out. Uh, I don't have much... Uh in a way of uh, funds and like a taxable account. I'm just trying to find what, uh, what's a good place to, to begin. How old are you, Sam? I'm uh, 37. 37? Yeah. You sound like an old 37. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I've been a lot of drinking um, and smoking, so. I know, I'm older than you are, so I, I don't know. But anyways, <laughs> that doesn't really matter too much. No. The reason why I ask is because I want to try to find out, you know, what's in your portfolio? What are you trying to accumulate? At 37, um, are you dealing with a large portfolio? Are you still 15, 20 years away from, port, uh, uh, from retirement? Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to probably you know, be one of the last people. Well, <laughs> one of the last people? So you got started a little late, so you're trying yeah. to accumulate, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I think one of the good places to start, and I'll talk a lot about this next hour in terms of starting to accumulate wealth, but in your taxable accounts, if you've already maxed out your 401k, your, IR, your Roth IRA options, you need to start accumulating in your taxable accounts. And what you want to do in taxable accounts is be tax efficient. That means typically index funds or ETFs. So the best types of assets to start accumulating in your taxable accounts when you're younger, total stock market index funds, um, dividend achiever ETFs, 
um, and and mid cap. So like large cap U.S. and and mid cap U.S. and taxable accounts, because those are areas where I'm comfortable investing in index funds, right? And so you can go to any brokerage account, Schwab, TD Ameritrade, and get a whole list of ETFs that are free to buy. You don't even have to pay a transaction fee to buy them anymore. And the internal fees are a tenth of 1% or less. Literally, investing is a tenth of the cost now of when I got into the business 19 years ago. So in taxable accounts, you go to iShares, learn about their core holdings things like IVV. You can go to Vanguard and look at some of the dividend achievers like VIG, which I've owned, um, and, and then just some of the you know, iShares in terms of mid-cap growth and mid-cap value. That's what you want to look for in your taxable accounts, and you want your small-cap and international stuff in your retirement accounts because those are less tax efficient. Could I ask you something else? Sure. Is it possible to have a, uh, a, like a safe fund? Where I can uh, have that uh, invested also, but in you know some some sort of taxable account other than like a bank account. Well, no, not really. I mean, you need your you need your safe money, your emergency money, to be socked away somewhere where there's no risk. Because <clears throat> Murphy's law says that as soon as you need your emergency money, the market's going to have one of those twenty percent corrections that has happens every three to five years. Yeah. So you want you know at least six months worth of your expenses, you know, to keep the lights on and the food on the table in an FDIC insured type of an account. I mean, you can go to bankrate.com and see some of the online banks that are, you know, paying 1% on, on uh, cash in some cases, totally liquid. That's what you want for, for your emergency funds. And then after that, then you start investing in your, in your taxable accounts and accumulating those large cap and mid cap indexed type of products, um, either an index fund through Vanguard or, or, uh, or ETFs or even easier to buy through your brokerage account now. Okay, great. Thanks for the help. All right. Thanks for the call. If you want to get your calls in there, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. That's kind of the stuff that we're going to talk about on Saturday in Burlingame at the Doubletree. Rob Black and I will be there. One to four is all about that kind of issue, accumulating, starting out. And we're going to talk about that in the second hour, in the, the 8 o'clock hour. So getting back to how portfolios have changed when you're managing wealth is, again, more volatility, increased volatility. And it's tough because when, when you have, let's say you got 100000 saved up, a 10% move one way or the other is $10,000. But if you have a million dollars saved up, a 10% move is $100,000. So it's, it, you're dealing with larger numbers and it can be more shocking. So trying to invest with less volatility. You have to kind of then focus on stocks that pay it a weight too. I really like dividend achievers. These are companies that have a history of increasing their dividend on a long-term basis. And I mentioned one already. I think Vanguard, the symbol is uh, VIG. They have one. Um, and again, consult a broker advisor before taking any action. This is one that I've owned. Also, SDY, which is the dividend aristocrats. This is just an idea of the types of stocks of companies that have a long-term history of paying you even when the stock market's down, the dividends are going to come, and you need that income in retirement. You need it to be coming all the time. You know, for example, if you're investing the right way during the correction, even in 2009, even though the market was down, your income from your stocks should have increased that year. And so you want to focus on dividends as you get closer to retirement. I'm not talking about high-yield stocks that pay 4% or more. Dividend achievers that you, you have certain metrics – Go to uh, MergentDividendAchievers.com and you can read how you kind of look at these companies in terms of what's their free cash flow look like, what's their payout ratio look like. I don't want just a high yielder that's paying out more than what they're making in some cases 
because of some sort of leverage. You've got to be careful. Also, you've got to look at bond alternatives, too, if you're in retirement. What do I mean by a bond alternative? Well, for example, there's some no-load variable annuities that are out there that allow you to invest in a balanced portfolio of stocks and, and bonds inside the annuity, but it guarantees a certain income of 5% or more no matter what the underlying portfolios are doing. And that sounds kind of weird if you've been listening to Rob and I for years and years. We always hammered on annuities, but there's a couple of no-load versions that are great for bond alternatives if you need income and you're over age 59 and a half. And, but you want it to be no-load. You don't want surrender charges and commissions because what if in four or five years you look at the bond market and you can get AAA-rated stuff paying 5% again? You're going to want to get out of the higher-fee no-load annuity and move back into the bonds. So you have to look at bond alternatives or even things that uh, certain ETFs and mutual funds that invest in things like master limited partnerships and all that is not like the partnerships that your parents bought in the 80s that they lost a bunch of money on. These are just publicly traded companies. And uh, for example, if you watch CNBC a lot, um, you see this commercials for some reason, Wanok, as simple as OKE, they do a lot of advertising. Um, and this isn't a, a company that I own directly. It's just an example of, of these are publicly traded companies, but the way that they're set up is they pay a big dividend because they ship or store oil and natural gas. They pay a big dividend. A lot of that dividend is currently tax-free because it, it's a return of capital. It lowers your, your cost basis than what you own, but, and you're going to get a K-1 if you don't do it in a mutual fund. But these are types of assets that pay a higher yield than bonds, and really, Monarch's got a pretty low yield in terms of giving you an example, but it's just, these are just publicly traded stocks. That's my point. Um, you know, you're typically getting a five to seven percent income, not currently taxable, and uh, but it's more volatile. I mean, you're going to see a shift in the price of oil. Something could happen in Iran or whatever, and you're going to see price fluctuation all over the place. So, but it's something that you need to have in your portfolio if you're trying to get some income, and you have a large portfolio. You also need more tax efficiency now than ever, especially if you're in California. I mean, if you're a high income earner, you've done well, you've created jobs, you're a business owner, hey, guess what? Now you're going to get hammered. You have the 39.6% top tax bracket now. You got the 3.8% Obamacare or Affordable Care Act tax on top of that. In addition, you've got the Prop 30, where if you're making over a certain amount, your state income taxes are going up. And by the way, your capital gains and dividend taxes went from 15 to 20%. I mean, there's people that once they lose their itemized deductions and everything else, that they're, they're paying over 52% in taxes. So that means having the right assets and the right types of accounts is very, very important. The average investor loses about 15% of their return to taxes. So in your taxable accounts, you want your large cap, mid cap, and tax-free bonds and maybe some alternatives like the MLPs that I was talking about. IRAs, 401ks, Ross, that's where you get everything else. Small cap, emerging markets, regular taxable bonds, tips, things like that. Want to get your calls in there, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money. On AM 1220, KDOW, and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome back into Rob Black and Your Money. I'm your host, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. Be with Rob all Saturday. Wealth Management Retirement Planning, 9 to noon, and Money 101, 1 to 4. Sign up at robblack.com or call 888-ROB-CHAD. 
And so what I was mentioning before the break, you're going to deal with more volatility than before with larger portfolios. Um, you've got bond alternatives you need to find, and you've got more daily volatility. Not annual, but more daily. You've got to peel your growth more often. Once you figure out what your expenses are and what you're going to have to draw from your portfolio each year, you need three years' worth of that in cash, in safe money. And then every quarter, every six months, you need to look at that cash and say, how much have you spent? And turn and look at your portfolio and say, how much have I gained? And peel off enough of your growth out of your portfolio to replenish your cash. It's a constant, it's a, it's a, it's a babysitting thing that you've got to figure out, am I going to do this in retirement or do I need a fee-based advisor to do it for me? Because peeling growth, especially after large quarters like we've had, is very, very important to replenish your cash. Also, what I find is that a lot of people have a big majority of their wealth in their 401ks. And 401ks have just horrible, horrible bond picks, and they have horrible international picks. They might have a couple of you know, developed international funds, which all you get is exposure to Europe, and, and nothing in emerging markets. No exposure to Southeast Asia, Mexico, Brazil, any of the real long-term attractive areas to invest where the middle class is growing. China, for example. So you need to look into your 401k. If you're over 55, you can do what's called an in-service rollover. Call up your plan and say, am I eligible for an in-service rollover? So you can take a portion of your 401k and roll it into an, uh, an IRA and continue to work. It's a tax-free event. You can either manage it yourself or have somebody else manage it for you. So a few key steps to take with your retirement portfolio right now. If you have a large portfolio, you're in or close to retirement, here's a couple, seven key steps you really need to look at. How much safe money do you have right now? You need to say, okay, here's what I spend every year. Here's what I get from Social Security. Now I know my portfolio draw rate. I need three years' worth of that in cash. That allows me to get through market corrections. And not only uh, the downturn, but how long does it take to get back to even in the market? For example, 2007, it took till basically 2000, beginning of 2013 to break even on the Dow. That's six years, Right? So you need to make sure you have at least three years' worth of cash because if you have three years' worth of cash and enough dividends and interest on your overall portfolio, you'll be able to weather that peak to trough back to the peak without having to, to sell assets at the low. Look, the markets are going to correct. You have, you have three, five to seven percent corrections every year. You have one 20 percent correction every three to five years. It's going to happen, and you can't time it. But what you can time is your withdrawals. And you need to shelter yourself from having to draw when the market's down. But while it's down, you also need to have dividend-paying stocks so that you're getting paid to wait. So how much safe money do you have? Number two, how much safe money did you spend in the last year? If your safe money has decreased, you need to replenish it. Peel some of the gains that the house has given you. Pull some of those gains off the table right now. Also, have you reviewed your bond portfolio lately? A lot of people pick bond funds. A lot of people are up double-digit rates of return over the last couple of years in their bond funds because they took, more, they took a more aggressive stance, high-yield, longer-duration bond funds, which as the feds have bought these bonds, it's pushed the price up and the yields down. Time to review your bond funds. I'd say stay out of anything that's long-term government bond. Make sure your duration is – you can look at your funds and find out what your duration is. You want under seven years on duration, if not less than that. So you want short and intermediate-term bonds. And uh, make sure that you have some exposure to foreign bonds. There's certain emerging markets and other countries that have balanced 
budgets that offer higher yields in the U.S., and it's a natural hedge against the falling U.S. dollar. Now, the U.S. dollar is not going to fall anytime soon because of what's going on. But in the long term, it's a natural hedge if you're earning interest in other currencies because you can even get dollar hedge foreign bond exposure. So you need that if you have a larger portfolio, but you want that in your retirement accounts because it's taxable income. Also, take a double, another look at what your guaranteed sources of income are if you're at or in retirement. Your bond funds are paying nothing. Your CDs are paying nothing. Do you have guaranteed sources of income, whether from Social Security, pension, or some sort of a no-load? No-load is the key, variable annuity that offers lifetime income for you and your spouse no matter what you do. You need at least 20% of your income, if not 30%, coming from sources that you can't outlive as long as the company stays in business. Also, if there's a quick 20% correction, here's another look at your portfolio. If there's a quick 20% correction, what's your plan to get through the trough and recovery? How are you going to react? Take a look at your overall portfolio. Take a look at all your equity exposure. Plug it into something like Morningstar. Look at what your overall beta is so you can know, okay, if the stock market's down 20%, I'm probably going to be down about 10, 12 and if that's the case, do I have enough cash, do I have enough income to get through that correction? Because it's usually going to take two to three years to get back to even. Sometimes not. I mean, look, last year, 2012, we rallied up huge in the first quarter. We took a 9% dip, rallied from there, took six months to get above where we were at the end of the first quarter, and we had another 8% correction, and then we still ended the year higher. It happens. Are you peeling the growth on the upside? And finally, you know, the seventh step that you want to take is what's your plan to adjust for future inflation with your withdrawals from your portfolio? How are you going to do that? When do you know to adjust? Now, look, inflation is kind of one of those things where it takes two or three years for you to notice it. So you, have, you set up your accounts, certain withdrawals, set up your budget. You go a year or two, and then finally in year three, it's like, okay, it's starting to get a little tight. Food costs have gone up. It's costing more to put gas in my car, my RV, my boat, whatever it may be. And you, then you need to make an adjustment, but you have to keep track of your overall financial plan. You have to have a financial plan that keeps track of your expenses, the, your portfolio, and your overall net worth, which could include your business and your real estate. Because you have to have those three items, and you have to have a, a base financial plan. And every year you look back to your projections and say, am I ahead of the game? Have I spent more or less than what I did two, three years ago when I did this projection? Have a, uh, how have my portfolio done versus that? So as long as two of those three items are above par, and they're where you projected or above for inflation, it's typically okay to adjust your draws to keep up with inflation. But if they're behind, you need to know that. If your portfolio returned less, if... Your um, expenses were more. You need to adjust something else. And so it's a constant monitoring. Want to get your calls in there? 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. We'll be back shortly. The new week planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 
1220. So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome into Rob Black and Your Money. I'm your host today, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. As a CFP, you've trained in taxes, insurance, retirement planning, estate planning, investing. So I'll take your money question. Love to talk to the listeners. Get your calls in there, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. As you might have heard, I'll be with Rob all day on Saturday at the Doubletree and Burling game by the airport. And uh, what we're going to be doing in the morning is all about wealth management. If you're in large portfolio, if you're near retirement, in retirement, what to do with that portfolio? How do you allocate it? What do you think about tax-wise? How do you rebalance it? How do you get through the tough times that come in the market? That's all morning session, 9 to noon. Then the afternoon is going to be what I'm talking about this hour, which is wealth accumulation. How do you start out? How do you, what steps do you take? How should you kind of get a mindset? And if you want to sign up for those events, robblack.com. That's R-O-B-B-L-A-C-K.com. Or you can even call 888-ROB-CHAD. Leave a message to sign up or give your email address to get on the list. It's 10 bucks to get in. And uh, in fact, if you want to email me this hour, I'll give you a free code to get in. Chad at chadburton.com. That's chad at chadburton.com. Um, so let's talk about getting to the point. If, you know, how do you get to the point of being able to, hey, let's go to the first event. I've got a large portfolio. How do I get there? What are some of the things I need to think about? Now, the first step in any... Any event, both events, I talk about this, is you got to get a handle on your expenses. Your expenses are so key to projecting your cash needs, your, your asset allocation. You've got to get a handle on what your expenses are. You may be living to paycheck to paycheck, and the first step in changing that is to realize where your money's going. There is no excuse anymore. Absolutely no excuse. There's too many free ways to get a handle on your expenses. Just look at Mint.com. So your expenses, you've you got to look at your expenses and say, all right, if something happens and I can't go to work, I know I need six months of my expenses in cash. How do you know what that number is unless you've looked at your expenses? And you've got to monitor that. Set budgets and alerts so that you know when you've overspent on something, you stop. And if you're way in debt, Everything else, you know, fine. Go listen to the Dave Ramsey show or something. But you got to get out of debt. You got to get out of living to paycheck. Paycheck. You got to get out of that mindset of accumulating depreciating assets. Hey, you might be driving down the road right now in a really cool car, but if you're putting more into that car payment than you're putting into your 401k, you're an idiot. You're gonna work till the day you die, and I don't feel bad for you. You're doing it the wrong way. Think about it, all right? Just because you got a job doesn't mean you deserve a better car or the same car as your parents do. Took, you know, buy a used car, put money in your 401k. So you got to get a handle on your expenses. You got to also think about how can I always save. You know, different things like you know, if you shop at Target all the time, get a Target red card where it's a debit card. You save five percent on everything. Things like that. Trying to save. Great kids college, look at things like youpromise.com. That's the letter youpromise.com. You can sign up your credit cards. Your parents can sign up their credit cards, and you can get free money just by shopping the way you shop now. You also need your three to six months worth of emergency reserves because 
you're going to go through periods of time. Everybody gets focused on, you know, they sit down with that insurance agent, and the insurance agent always sells life insurance first because it's an easy sale. What happens if you die? Oh, your kids are going to be so sad, and, and where's your income going to come from, and things like that. You know what? There's such a slow chance that you're going to die early versus be disabled for a period of time. And you're going to be in between jobs at some point in your life. Or even if you have rental properties, you're going to need cash to fix up that bad renter, right? Somebody stole all your faucets when they moved out, things like that. So you've got to have, know what your expenses are so you can know what your emergency reserves are. The next step is you have to put enough money into your 401k to get the employer match. If you're not doing that, you're a moron that's giving away free money. So sometimes the match works something like this. The employer says, we're going to match 100% to the first 3% of pay and 50% of the next 6% of pay. So you, okay, well, I've got to put 6% of my pay in there, and I'm getting a nice big amount of free money at the end of each year. And then you realize how quickly that dollar cost averaging, that automatic savings, builds up. Now, what if you don't have a match? There's a lot of people out right now out there where the employer took away the match during the huge recession of 08 and 09, and there's no match. Well, you still have to be in the mindset then of, I need to pay myself first. Before I pay any of my bills, I need to pay myself first. So if you don't have a match, you still need to say, okay, I'm going to put at least 10% of pay away in my 401k. I've got to do that. And then what's left over, I can live on. But you've got, you have to be in your 20s and 30s focused drastically on saving at least 10% of your pay to be able to have any chance of retiring at 65. Right? Then the next step is what's your biggest asset that you're trying to protect? What's your biggest asset? It's not your house. Your house is actually a liability until you go to sell it and live off the proceeds, right? Your biggest asset is your ability to earn money. If you do present value, if you remember how to do that for math class, and hey, today is national take your kids to school day, right? Well, they're probably in math class. They can tell you what present value is of your income. Have them do the calculation. And so you're going to spend times where you might not be able to work. And that means disability insurance. You've got to look at disability insurance. Hopefully your employer gives you some. The cheapest way to typically buy disability insurance is through your group plan at work. It's typically, um, see, it's usually better to get life insurance on your own, but disability insurance through a group plan where you get discounts. But you need to know what your coverage is too. And we'll talk a little bit about disability insurance in a little bit and a story of, of a of what can happen even when you have disability insurance and, and knowing what you know, the tax issues are and everything else. Now, once you get life insurance, if you're protecting your income, uh, so you need term insurance. Stop talking to insurance agents that make it a commission and tell you how great insurance is as a savings vehicle. They're looking for a fat commission. They get 50% of what you put in in the first year, plus trailers commissions after that. You've got to buy term and invest the difference, and the calculation is simple. Ten times your income plus about 100 grand per kid to cover college. So that means that if you died, your heirs would receive that ten times your income tax-free, and they have enough money to send each kid to college. So ten times your income plus 100 grand per each kid for college. It's a simple calculation, and uh, look at 20 or 30-year term policies. All right, that's easy. Then after that, after you've covered your ability to earn money through disability and life. You've got to make sure you get all your non-mortgage debt paid off. Debt is a killer. Debt is your house of cards. All right? Don't make extra mortgage payments on your home in your 20s, 30s, and 40s. It's ridiculous. 
It's, it, it doesn't make any sense. There's no tax savings to do that. There's no long-term growth in that because your house is going to go up and down in value no matter what you pay. But all your other debt, pay it off. I don't even care if it's, if it's student debt that is tax deductible for you at this point. A lot of the, this, the interest rates have gone up to the point of it just doesn't make sense. So pay off your debt. Debt is a killer. And again, stop accumulating depreciating assets. Cars depreciate to zero. Toys depreciate to zero. Make sure you're saving 10 to 15% of pay before you get into the, the fun toy stuff because you've got to pay yourself first. So you've done all that. you put enough into your 401k to get the match. You're in that mindset, I'm going to pay myself first. Then you max out a Roth IRA. That's 5500 You can still save money. Well, remember, you can put up to 17500 in your 401k uh, in 2013. That's twenty three grand right there. That's more than most families can save. 23000 into your retirement accounts after you take those steps. Then you start saving tax efficiently. So we'll talk about some of those steps. Get your calls in the area, 800 516 800-516-1220. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome back into Rob Black and Your Money. I'm your host today, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. Been in this for, for she's almost 20 years now. So if you've got a money question situation you want a second opinion, get your calls in the air, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Or even better, ask your question in person. I'm going to be with Rob all Saturday long at uh, the Doubletree in Burlingame. In the morning, it's all about wealth management, how to manage larger portfolios, how to deal with retirement, what does retirement cost, how to rebalance your portfolio, bond alternatives, things like that. That's what we're going to be talking about. One to four, it's all about money 101, how to build wealth, what steps to take even with insurance, ETFs, indexes, managed mutual funds, all those types of things, which I'm talking about this hour. Sign up quick. Space is filling up. And I tell you what, if you want to email me while I'm on the air, chad at chadburton.com. If you're listening right now, I'll give you a free entry code. It's 10 bucks to get in, but I'll give you a free code if you, if you uh, email right now, chat at chatburton.com. So we're talking about steps to take when you're creating wealth in terms of putting enough money to get the match, then protecting your biggest asset, which is your ability to earn money. Then doing a Roth IRA, you could put in 5500 in 2013. And the max that you can put into a 401k when you're under 50 this year is 17500 That's twenty three grand right now. So if you can still afford to save over and above that, that's great. That, congratulations, you're doing well. But that's where it gets tricky. Because when you have to save outside of your Roth and outside of your 401k, you have to do it tax efficiently. So that means we've got to talk about the difference between managed mutual funds index funds and ETFs. Now, managed mutual funds, that's where you say, okay, I'm going to find a large cap manager. I'm going to put my money in a pot with everybody else, and that manager is going to pick his favorite large cap funds or mid cap or international emerging markets. So they're managed, right? Then you have, though, this whole index fund phenomenon that started really with in, uh, Vanguard, where they say, you know what, let's just buy the whole market. Let's just buy the index of all the S&P 500 stocks or like the total stock market index 
which is like the Wilshire 5000, for example, which buys small, large, and mid all across because the market's going to eventually always do well. Then came along ETFs, which are index funds that trade like stocks. So in your taxable accounts, once you start saving outside of your Roth and your 401k, you really want to start focusing on index funds and ETFs. That's what goes in your taxable accounts, large cap and mid cap index funds and ETFs. Talk about a little bit more on that in a minute. Let's talk with Diana from Pleasant Hill. Diana, how are you? Fine, thank you. What's your question? Um, my question is, lately, every place seems to be really pushing long-term care insurance. And as you just said, it's really difficult, I think, for most people to fully fund their retirement plans and 401k plans, right. especially like now I'm in a catch-up position because I'm over 50 or whatever. But mm-hmm. um, So if given the choice, do you fully fund your retirement plans if it means you can't afford long-term care insurance? In most cases, yeah. Um, I mean, Diana, it, here's the deal. Are you? Do you feel like you're on track for retirement at 65? Do you feel like you're behind? Do you feel like you're ahead of the game? Tell me where you're at. <laughs> I'm a worrier, so I think that I'm probably, um, I, you know, no, I don't have a million dollars currently. I might by the time I'm 65, but. Okay, and that, you know, at 65, that million dollars, you don't want to draw more than four or five percent, so that's forty grand a year. So you got forty grand a year plus Social Security, right? Yes. So here's the deal with long-term care, and this is why it's important to do a financial plan before you make the commitment to something like long-term care, because a long-term care insurance agent is in it for a commission, right? Definitely. They want you to that's buy it. They're going to almost scare you into buying it. Exactly. Whereas a fee-based financial planner that doesn't have you know skin in the game can say. Look, here's what your situation is. Here is a modeling of a three- or four-year stay in a nursing home, um, and you know, will you run out of money? And here's your options. You can either buy the insurance right, and realize that the costs are continuing to go up. Yeah. Uh, two, you can self-insure because if you get to retirement and you're only you know, pulling 2 or 3% of your portfolio and you're living very comfortably, you can probably afford to self-insure. Or three – you can't really afford the long-term care insurance. You don't have enough income or you don't have enough saved up, so you're going to have to go plan B, which is like you know, reverse mortgage or sell your house and use that to pay for long-term care or eventually go on Medi-Cal. Um, so you have to know where you are. Here's where long-term care insurance is right for people that are in the middle class, essentially. If you're that person that you know, you're drawing 4%, 5% of your portfolio at 65, you've got a well-balanced portfolio, and you've got a spouse especially that says, okay, if, I, if one of my, me or my spouse goes in and, and they stay in for three or four years at 70 to 80 grand a year, and that's a cost that's going up with inflation, am I going to be left out to dry? Am I going to be in poverty essentially if that's the case? Those are the type of people that should look very seriously at buying long-term care insurance. Now, if you're 55, you're fully funded on your retirement, and you're really on track, and you're maxing out your 401K, then, then buy it early. But if you're way behind schedule, you're not even putting 10, 15% of pay into your 401k, you might want to wait. You need to take advantage of that 401k pre-tax and, and the Roth first before you start shopping. So does that okay. help you out? Uh, yes, it does. Thank you very much. You bet. So do a longer-term projection. See where, where you're at and, and you know, how much will you be drawing at 65 um, and say, here's plan A. I buy the insurance, plan B, I self-insure, plan C, I use equity in my home or reverse mortgage, for example, to pay for it. 
So you got to know what your options are, and then you can say, you know, what am I going to use first? If there's a lot of longevity in your family or a history of Alzheimer's, um, history of diabetes, you haven't got it yet, but you know you probably will, then those are the type of people that should probably be shopping early. So it's a health issue, longevity issue, family history issue. Talk it through with a financial planner that doesn't have skin in the game on the insurance sale. Um, you know, I, I don't personally believe that CFPs that sell insurance should be able to use the certified financial planner designation because there's a fiduciary issue. There's a conflict of interest. So be wary of that. Ask people how they get paid. All right, getting back to saving in a tax-efficient manner. Um, if you've maxed out that 401k, if you maxed out that Roth IRA and you can still afford to save more, that's when you start accumulating total stock market index ETFs, dividend achiever ETFs, and mid-cap ETFs or index funds in your taxable account. Look, again, I, I talked about this at the top of the hour, but investing now for the average person, if you're doing it on your own, is literally one-tenth of the cost of when I got into the business almost 20 years ago. Back when I got in the business, even you know, no-load funds were up over 1% in many cases on their fees. Now you can go to Schwab ETFs, iShares, Core Funds, Vanguard, Vipers, and buy the whole large cap, the whole mid cap indexes and pay less than a tenth of 1%. It's almost free to invest these days. So you can open up a Schwab account, TD Ameritrade account, a Vanguard account, and buy these ETFs, and they're very tax efficient as long as you stick with the large and mid cap. Now, if you're doing that, if you're buying those large cap and mid cap ETFs, you've got to change where you're contributing in your 401k. And we'll talk about that coming back after the break. If you want to get your calls in there, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. And also, again, if you want to get free entry to the event that Rob and I are doing this Saturday, email me, chad at chadburton.com. That's chad at chadburton.com. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. AM 1220 KDOW. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome back into Rob Black and Your Money. I'm your host today, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. If you want to get your calls in the air, I love your money questions, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. And uh, again, if you stop filling in for Rob today, if you want to email me today and you want free tickets for the event on Saturday, let me know which event, whether it's Wolf Management in the morning or Money 101 in the afternoon. You can find out more about it at robblack.com or chadburton.com. It's 10 bucks to get in. We kind of do it. Any profits end up to charity, but the the issue is we just keep the the weirdos out. You know, the people that come up with shopping bags and take all the cookies off the plate and then leave. So that's why we do it because there are people that will do that. Uh, but we'll, we I will give you free tickets if you want to email me chat at chatburton dot com. Um, we used to do free events. We had to stop because of people stealing cookies and actually laying down in a fetal position in the back and trying to take a nap. That was, that was in Berkeley, though, so I guess that's expected. Um, but it's a great event in the morning. It's all about what to do with your portfolio, how to create a tax-efficient income plan, which accounts to draw from first, when and how to rebalance your portfolio. When do you pull the house money off the table? You'll find out. 
by the end of that event. And then what we're doing this hour is talking about 101, which is the one to four session. And after you've maxed out your 401k and your Roth IRA options and you've paid down or off all of your non-house debt, in other words, mortgages, don't pay them early. Unless you're at retirement, you just don't want to have a mortgage anymore and you're wealthy, fine, pay it off. I don't care. But don't make extra mortgage payments when you're in your 20s and 30s because money's better served in an IRA, 401k, or a Roth. Now, so you've, you're... You're trying to save in taxable accounts, and like I mentioned, taxable accounts when you're younger, the best assets to accumulate, U.S. total stock market, dividend achievers um, like VIG and SDY, those, those are com- uh, funds that buy companies that increase their dividends all the time, and mid-cap. That's where I like my indexing. I love individual stocks, I love index funds, and I love managed mutual funds. They all have their right place. I like my index and ETFs in my large cap and my mid-cap. I want managed funds. I do not like ETFs for international investing. They are not smart enough. I do not like ETFs for small cap investing. They are not smart enough. Bonds, when interest rates are high and steady, I don't care if it's an ETF or a managed fund. Right now, I like managed. So tax efficiently, you want your large cap and mid cap ETFs in your taxable accounts. That means that if you want to keep your weighting correct, you need to focus on your 401ks once you get to that point. Once you've maxed out your 401k, your Roth, and you're buying large and mid-cap in your taxable accounts, you need to buy your small cap and international in your 401k. So once you get to that point where you're accumulating after-tax dollars in a brokerage account, you need to focus on where your contributions are going in your 401k to make sure you stay balanced. And so that means look for good small cap funds and international funds in your 401k when you're younger. Now, International in the next year or so will be a great time to start accumulating those because international outperformed U.S. stocks over the last two years by quite a bit. This was the first quarter in a long time where they underperformed the U.S. by quite a bit. And they're kind of dealing with the opposite problem. International companies are dealing with increasing revenue but decreasing bottom lines because of higher labor costs. Here we have a very small to no increase in revenue and increasing bottom line because of you know, lower interest rates and stock buybacks. That'll change. In the long term, you need to have the revenue growth. You need to have middle class growth. So international stocks very important to younger investors in the long run. You know, don't buy individual stocks until you've accumulated 250000 You've got a lot of time to do it. You just don't need to. Mutual funds are, and ETFs are too cheap for you need to bother buying individual stocks. Um, aggressive portfolio, so somebody that's you know, 20 to 30 years old and they don't really need bonds yet, they don't really care about fluctuations, they're just trying to accumulate wealth, here's what you want to look at. Here's what your portfolio should look like. You probably want 50% U.S. large cap stocks, right? And focus on a, a broad away. The, the S&P 500 is too concentrated at the top, right? So I, I'm not necessarily a fan of just S&P 500, um, I like more of a Russell approach or, a, 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 you know, look at some of the um, dividend achievers that I mentioned through uh, iShares and through Vanguard, but 50% in large cap U.S., 10% in mid cap, 10% in small cap, that's 70% right there, then 30% international, that might sound like a lot, but look, you're younger, the world is growing overseas, the middle class is growing overseas, so you want to be in those areas. And don't get shaken out because it's so easy to get shaken out of emerging market funds because you'll have huge returns and then for two or three years and then a horrible year. 
That's just more volatility because of currencies and everything else. But when you want your 30% international, you've got to make sure you can't just pick a fund and assume it's in the right spot. There's international developed, and there's international emerging markets. All right? And I'll talk a little bit more about – well, let's, let's, let's go into that right now because how are you picking the funds in your 401K, your IRAs, things like that if you're trying to get the emerging market and international exposure? Well, you've got to know what is in developed funds. So in developed funds, um, you're going to have parts of Asia like Hong Kong, Taiwan, South Korea. That's kind of the developed uh, parts of Asia. Um, and developed major countries, you, there's still good choices in Germany, Switzerland, and Sweden. And things change, and that's why ETFs aren't smart enough. ETFs and index funds only make changes one time per year. Well, things change quickly, especially with the European debt issues going on. I want a money manager that know, that's been to these areas and knows the politics, knows the currencies to be able to change. So if you're looking at international development, make sure, again, your fund has exposure to the good international developed areas like Germany, Switzerland, Sweden, Hong Kong, Taiwan, South Korea. Once you're saving money and you build up over 100000 you need a Morningstar subscription so you can look at your fund choices and know how long the manager's been there, where the funds are allocated, are you in the right spots. If you're looking for the emerging market piece, so if you're 30%, 20 to 30-year-old, you're 30% in international, you want half of that in emerging markets – where is your more, more emerging market exposure? Right now, I want my emerging market exposure to be more in Southeast Asia, in emerging Asia. Philippines, India, Thailand, and even some China. Obviously, China's got some issues they're dealing with long-term. The population growth, the consumer growth there is going to be key to the world economy. Other developed areas or emerging areas uh, I like... Mexico currently, Brazil probably in a year or two will be attractive. India once they get through some in infrastructure problems. That's where the middle class is growing, so you have to focus that as a young investor. So I want to get your calls in there, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. The other thing that you want to look at when you're reviewing your international fund exposure is make sure you know how much financial exposure is out there, especially in the developed funds. One of the reasons why I do not like ETFs when I'm investing internationally is because a lot of them have 20 to 25% exposure to financial stocks. Hey, I don't know what's on the balance sheet of J.P. Morgan, let alone I don't know what's on the balance sheet of some of these foreign banks. Did they load up on Greek debt? Did they load up on Cyprus debt? Who, who holds the swaps? Every time somebody buys debt that's aggressive like that, they try to insure it. There's another bank on the other end that tries to you know, create some sort of credit default swap. I don't know. I just do not like foreign banks at all. So I want my foreign financial exposure in my funds to be extremely low. I also want to bend towards small cap international. Why? Just look at how much cash is on corporate balance sheets right now. And you look at a company like Apple, 70% of the cash is overseas. If they're going to start doing some acquisitions and that money is overseas, well, you better make sure that you've got some small cap exposure over there as well because those are the targets. Even China has said that, that they're going to, you know, a lot of the companies there are going to go on a buying spree. Um, Headley, Mr. Headley from Matthews Funds, which is considered a great you know, Asia investor, obviously, 
very rare interview that he was on recently was talking about how he thinks smaller companies in China are some of the greatest opportunities that investors could have in the next 10 years. So think about that. Now, when you start buying individual stocks, again, I, I don't know why you would for your, you know, until you're well over 250000 and most people are just too busy to do it. Because to buy individual stocks, you need a strategy. You need to say, what am I buying? You can't be a large cap, mid cap, and small cap investor. You have to pick one that you want to specialize in. You have to have reasons why you buy and reasons why you sell. So what I do, we have in our firm, New Focus Financial, we have one stock portfolio, and we concentrate on dividend achievers, companies that have a history of increasing their dividend each and every year, and certain screening process that we take to narrow down the field to about 20 to 25 choices. And that's what we manage on the individual stock side. If we want our small cap, our international, everything else we get through managed funds or ETFs, because we're a team of six certified financial planners watching money. And we know that once you go over 25 positions, it's too hard to start following more than that, even as a firm as large as we are. So what makes you think you could do it when, when you, you're busy? Um, you know, the only reason why I could do it is because it's my job. And other than that, I have three kids that are going to soccer, ballet, baseball, wrestling, all over the place. You don't have time to do it once you get off work, right? But if you really, really enjoy it, start cheating. Start getting good first at picking your good small cap, mid cap, and international funds. And then you can cheat and look at their top holdings and figure out what they're looking for in individual stocks. You've got to come up with a strategy before you do it. And I'd really say, you know what? With these low-cost ETFs and with the ability to find good managers on the small cap and international side, there's really no point in it. You'll probably give yourself more of a headache, and you'll probably end up investing too emotionally by buying individual names and not knowing when to sell them. And that's not the right approach. Take the emotion out of investing. Get your calls in the area, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. If you want free tickets to the event that I'm doing this Saturday with Rob, email me, chat at chadburton.com. KDOW traffic. Good morning. Our report sponsored by Garmin. Let's head down to Redwood City where you've got a crash. 101 southbound after Woodside. It's a two-car deal sitting over on the right hand. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome back in to Rob Black and Your Money. I'm your host today, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. And uh, again, if you want to sign up for the event this Saturday, Wealth Management 9 to noon and Money 101 1 to 4 that Rob and I are doing all day, Berlin game by the airport, Doubletree. Um, I'll send you free tickets. Got them rolling in. So spaces are filling up fast. If you want free tickets and you're listening to me today, fill in for Rob, chat at chatburton.com, and I'll send you the link and the code for the free tickets. And uh, let's go over some questions that I'm getting from some of the listeners today. This is from Francisco. Uh, Francisco listens to the podcast during gym time. Currently, I contribute my full amount, 11500 to my simple IRA at work, 5000 to a Roth IRA. I don't feel it's enough for the lifestyle I want for the future. Can I contribute to an IRA? Please advise. Okay. The simple IRA, you can do that, and you can do the Roth IRA. 
but the maximum contribution to IRA accounts, Roth or regular, is 5500 for 2013. After that, you can't do any more IRAs. So that's when you start tax-efficient investing like I've been talking about, where you start picking up in your taxable accounts, large-cap, mid-cap ETFs, and index funds. And uh, we also have another question from Ty. Ty says, should I fully fund a traditional IRA if I don't qualify for a Roth and then convert to a Roth? I'm already maxing out my 401k. So what Ty is talking about, for those of you that you're maxing out your 401k and you're high income earners, you're making you know, in the 180 range, and so you're not allowed to contribute to a Roth IRA because you make too much. Those that don't have a large IRA account outside of their 401ks can contribute to a non-deductible IRA. You file a form 8606 showing that, hey, it's a non-deductible contribution, then you can turn around and convert that to a Roth IRA without paying taxes. It's called a backdoor Roth. That's why this tax code that we have is so stupid. There's so many pages, and it makes you do double paperwork just to get to the same spot where they should just let everybody do a Roth IRA contribution. Unbelievable. Yes, it's a great idea. The, 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 who it doesn't work for, um, high-income earners that have really large IRA accounts, the, the tax calculation, you don't end up having a tax-free conversion. The other accounts come into play. Um, so just kind of search the web for backdoor Roth IRA to get and talk to your advisor. Um, some other issues, too. We've been talking about wealth management, and I've talked about, you know, when to buy, don't buy individual stocks unless you have over 250 and you really have and the ability to save it. And let's talk about insurance, though, as you're building wealth. First thing is never use life insurance as a savings vehicle unless you're part of the 1% of America that makes a huge amount of income. Life insurance is not a savings vehicle. A life insurance agent will tell you that it is, show you the cash value, and show you how it's tax-free, and you can you know, take it out tax-free in the form of your basis and loans and all the special great things, how it's going to save for college, blah, 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 blah. Then five, ten years down the road for buying the policy, all the expenses go up and the thing blows up in your face. Life insurance is not a savings vehicle. It's not. So don't do it. Don't buy into the sales pitch. And life insurance isn't the first step. It's disability insurance. And especially if you're on your feet. A friend of mine, nurse, hurt her ankle, wakeboarding in August. was diagnosed as a sprain. It took until December for them to find the break in the ankle so on light duty that period of time, and then you go through, she had to take time off to get the ankle fixed. Then the doctor that she was going to have the surgery for that she waited a month for to get into, all of a sudden was off the insurance that she had. So had to start all over from scratch, went through all her short-term disability, eventually you know, had to downsize where she was living, cut expenses. The job got posted again because she went through a certain amount of time where on uh, in the nursing situation after certain period of time that you're gone, they repost the position is basically now recovering from an ankle surgery and now looking for another place to work. Now, luckily, there was some disability there. There was some short-term, but it only covered 60% of the income, and she didn't realize that she chose to pay for it with pre-tax dollars, which means that 60%, which if it's tax-free, that would cover your income, right? But in this case, it was taxable. So they're withholding. So it was a big, drastic decrease in living for the last six months because of this misdiagnosis, this disability. You've got to protect your ability to earn money. Now, disability insurance can be expensive. The best way to buy it is through your employer. 
But at least get, if you can't afford that disability coverage based on your income, at least look at things like AFLAC, which gives you some, some short-term coverage if you spend some short period of time without being able to work. Because that disability is, is tough. I mean, you go for a short time and can't work, and you're already living to paycheck to paycheck. That, that's when you lose the house. When it comes to life insurance, again, 20 to 30-year term insurance by 10 times your annual income plus 100 k for every child you have, and you stick with term insurance. Now, once you have outside assets outside your um, retirement accounts, once you have taxable accounts, um, once you have real estate, rental properties, you don't need to worry, focus on LLCs and things like that. The cheapest way to do it is make sure you have umbrella insurance, one to two times your net worth. The first million is usually like 300 bucks a year. So the best thing to typically do is make sure the person that does your home and auto is, is you typically get a better deal when you have the same person do everything or something like USAA, which is great, um, and get the umbrella insurance there. It's usually 300 350 for the first million and then like 150 200 bucks for the next million of coverage. It's super cheap. That way if something happens on your home or property, your car, your assets are protected. It steps in. And again, you have to get out of that mindset. I say this a lot when I'm on with Rob, but if you're a person driving down the street and you're putting more money into your car payment because you're driving an Acura, BMW, big Denali or something like that, and you're putting more money into your car payment than your 401k, that car is going to be a worthless asset, and you're probably going to be working until the day you die. Get out of the mindset of accumulating depreciating assets and start saving and paying yourself first. That's what you need to think about. Again, if you want free tickets to the event this Saturday, find out more about it. Go to chadburton.com or email me, chad at chadburton.com. That's chad at chadburton.com. Thanks for listening. Please tell a friend about the show. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.